0: Hi and welcome to the Samuel and Manuel Movie Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Sam Reimer,
1: and I'm Manny Manuel.
0: How's it going today, sir?
1: Not too shabby. It's really fucking hot in the city today.
0: That yeah, work... I, I can't relate. You said it was a it was a burner today.
1: Ah, uh, fucking kill me. <laughs> so fucking hot. Yeah, not not uh, not a fan of of it. This hot. I I I like the warm weather, uh, but give me the mid twenties. Uh, don't give me these high thirties bullshit.
0: Well, luckily, I did move to a city where uh, I'm currently in the mid-20s. Weather has been gorgeous here. I wouldn't know it because I stayed inside all day and had the least productive day of my entire life. But...
1: <laughs> <laughs> I love those days.
0: Yeah. Anyway, um, I'm also just enthralled that I'm still glowing off of my quiz up victory from last week. Uh, managed to pull home the clutch W and got to select the topic for this week. Yeah. Uh, which, of course, is the movie Nightcrawler.
1: Um. <laughs> um... A nice selection, I won't lie.
0: Yeah, right? Like, if if I'm gonna choose a shitty category and basically steal a win that way... Yeah, that was fucking I,
1: bullshit, I by as, the way.
0: I might as well pick a movie that we're both gonna like. <laughs> and I know that you hadn't seen this movie before, no. right?
1: That was a chintzy call. Harry Potter fucking quiz.
0: <laughs> Get over it, man. It's, it's ancient history. <laughs> yeah, I... I I've obviously seen this movie numerous times, came out in 2014. Uh, I think it's one of, I mean, we'll get to the general thoughts, of course, but uh, um, did you want to maybe just give a general thoughts, first impression of the movie?
1: Yeah, for sure. I've been uh, looking forward to watching this movie for a while, so when you picked it uh, after your uh, tainted win last week, I was uh, excited to watch it. Um, So I sat down and watched it uh, last week. I wish I had a chance to, to watch it again. Um, but I was enthralled. Um, absolutely loved it. Uh, Jake mm-hmm. Gyllenhaal is uh, stunning in this movie, uh, as he usually is. He's definitely like, oh, fuck. He's up there as an actor. Um, well, he,
0: he's super. I, I don't. I hesitate to say underrated because he gets good picture after good picture and just nails it every single time. But he really doesn't get a lot of credit. I think he's. I think he's. Into. He didn't get credit for this role.
1: He's unappreciated for what he does.
0: Unappreciated, thank you. Yeah, well, it kind of seems like that with uh, just any sort of actor under 40, doesn't it? Like, it seems like there's this attitude in Hollywood, like, you have to pay your dues first. Like, Leonardo DiCaprio, for example, there was the whole thing with him not winning an Oscar after just nomination after nomination after nomination and great role after great role. He just couldn't buy a win until The Revenant. It's like... You need to pay your dues first, sort of, to gain respect within the academy. Do you give any sort of? Uh, tr- do you think there's any truth to that?
1: Yeah, I, I do actually. I think there's a there's a lot to that. It seems, especially, uh, it, it seems especially for the men, uh, that's the case where it seems like the academy is always wanting to reward younger actresses. Yeah. Um, with nom- not that
0: there's any gender bias in Hollywood at yeah. all. I or know, that right? women are treated unfairly. Of course we would never insinuate that, I would, yeah. not, not in the slightest.
1: No, um, but I do agree. I'm I'm hoping it's going to start to change now that they're, the Academy is growing and that there's a lot more younger uh, members of the Academy. Um, but yeah, I do feel a lot of the younger actors are definitely overlooked for their work. Uh, Jake Gyllenhaal, Ryan Gosling. Um, I feel that these people are going to start to get recognized a lot more now, as they should be, because these these gentlemen are uh, are fantastic at their craft, and this performance by Gyllenhaal is just top of the charts uh, on his resume. It's 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 uh, it's mesmerizing.
0: I mean, I, I'm using this excuse, and just as I'm mentioning it, I remember the the winner of Best Actor this year was Eddie Redmayne, who now is 36 years old. So at the time of this win was probably 32. So mm-hmm. it, maybe it's it's that's more the exception rather than the rule of course but yeah i i really wish Hall would have gotten a nomination for this because it is a a mammoth performance and he very much is the star of it it's a pretty pretty small cast um just looking at the uh the director i remember it was a first time director if i remember yeah
1: dan gilroy
0: yeah um i'm not totally sure if he's made anything since you'd think he has researched uh in the meantime but here yeah, we are he uh, did Club the island he was a co-writer for mm-hmm. <laughs> and then roman j israel esquire which i don't think either of us saw and then no. he has the upcoming velvet buzzsaw so not a whole lot actually
1: no well he's done some stuff in the past that yeah he... yeah um but nothing good
0: <laughs> yeah well he hadn't uh directed anything before no this
1: 20. was his directorial debut and and yeah, it's, uh... he,
0: he co-wrote uh the born legacy real steel uh the fall and Honestly, looking at some of these writing credits he has, I'm kind of surprised he managed to write and direct this one because this is a brilliant movie and a lot I agree. of are subpar at best. Like The Born Legacy, that's the one that doesn't even have uh Matt Damon in it, right? That's the Jeremy Renner one.
1: Correct. Which and i haven't then,
0: seen. You got Real Steel, which is a a robot fighting movie with Hugh Jackman in it that I saw in theaters as a young man. And...
1: That's a fucking brutal movie.
0: <laughs> Not a good movie. No. And yeah, um, Kong Skull Island, which I didn't see for obvious reasons. So. I did see, and <laughs> about as good as you'd expect.
1: It was exactly what I thought it would be. Yeah, it wasn't as bad as I anticipated. Yeah. But we're not so here I'll- to talk about Kong Skull Island. We're here to discuss Nightcrawler.
0: Um. Yeah. So I'll, I'll definitely be. Uh, I'll definitely be there for. Uh, Velvet Buzzsaw, I probably should check out uh, Roman J. Israel Esquire, but yeah, we'll, we'll obviously get to that. Um, where, where do you want to go from here?
1: Why don't we start off with the plot synopsis?
0: Beautiful. Uh, on IMDb. So, uh, when Lewis Bloom, a con man desperate for work, muscles into the world of L.A. crime journalism, he blurs the line between observer and participant to become the star of his own story. So, this movie is essentially about... Uh, the evening news and it's about uh, the culture of fear in America and how uh, there, there's this line that's repeated numerous times through this movie uh, if it bleeds at least basically the more violent and chaotic and fear mongering they can they can possibly be with a, with a news story the more likely it is to lead off the top of the news broadcast and Lewis Bloom is the guy who who captures all of this footage and, uh, and brings it to the news stations and he's a fucking creep he's really uh, one of my favorite anti-heroes in recent years because in a way you sort of you root for him throughout this movie even though he's just such a despicable bastard
1: yeah you you, you do root really for him bachelor. but you shouldn't be
0: yeah it's just a perfect example of like how you can get the audience to cheer for someone whom they despise uh like lewis even though he's you know a, a creep and uh, we'll get into more of the exact horrific things he does when we get into spoilers but he, he on on top of all of his negative qualities and in spite of all that he's for the most part pretty polite he's hard working he's motivated he's persistent and there's a lot of qualities in him that i think people admire which is why he's an anti-hero instead of just a, a an asshole um but then again he also does some horrifying and despicable things that <laughs> should never be admired in this movie. Yes. So. <laughs> but it, I thought it was just a, a really nice balance struck with hes he has just enough good qualities to get the audience to root for him but more than enough bad qualities to get you questioning oh my god why do i like this guy
1: i agree i agree uh jake gyllenhaal just he really nails he really nails it it is sad that he did not get nominated for this performance because he definitely deserves it but like we were talking just before we started recording i I don't know who you'd have who you could take out of the five best picture nominees that year to get him in
0: yeah so the best the best of, sorry to interrupt you on that, but the uh, acting nominees for that year, of course, Eddie Redmayne won, Steve Carell was nominated for Foxcatcher, Bradley Cooper for American Sniper, Benedict Cumberbatch for Imitation Game, and Michael Keaton for Birdman. Um, so I think uh, we said that the only two that neither of us had seen were Foxcatcher and American Sniper, right? Mm-hmm. The three that we, that we have, I mean, those are all very, very deserving performances on that. So I, I don't even know what you'd take out. I can understand why he lost out to those, but definitely disappointing. So my instinct is to say goodbye to Steve Carell or Bradley Cooper, but i <laughs> having not seen it for myself. <laughs> um, what about the the rest of the cast? So we had, um, oh, I had it in front of me right here, the The woman who plays Nina. Uh,
1: uh, Renee what, Russo, wife of the director.
0: Right, that's right. Uh, I thought she was really good as well. Um, she was pretty convincing in her role. She, there's a lot of scenes where she's sort of desperate and she's, outwitted by jake gyllenhaal conversationally that i really liked but i i thought she was pretty good i enjoyed her performance as well
1: yeah me too i'm uh i'm a big fan of renee russo um i've liked her for a long time um uh, I, I first saw her um i think the first time i discovered it was lethal weapon 3 um looking back oh nope that's not that's not correct the first time i saw her was in major league um a movie i fucking love um <laughs> Um, and then, uh, and then she started popping up a little bit more in the early '90s. Um, in a lot of movies that I really, really like. As I'm going through, wow, as I'm going through her filmography here, <laughs> from the early '90s until almost the year 2000, I loved almost every movie that she was in. God damn. Um, so she was. Uh, I I enjoyed her as Nina, and I loved the the scenes between her and uh, and Lou Bloom. Uh, especially as Lou was negotiating things with her, uh, his negotiating power and his uh, ability to see the logic and reason in things was uh, chilling. Um, the way he broke things down and literally broke down his, for lack of a better word, uh, opponent. Um, I, I I love those scenes. And yeah, she's she's fine. She's <laughs> she's. she's uh,
0: fine. We also have uh, Bill. Bill Paxson in this movie. It's a pretty small cast, actually. I've, I'm seeing a lot listed off on IMDb, but for the most part, it's between uh, Jake Gyllenhaal and uh, the actress we were just talking about. who's Renee Russo. Part. Thank you. Uh, but then Bill Paxson also has a bit part in it as Joe Loader, mainly uh, uh, Lou's main competition in the uh, night-crawling business. Um, I thought he was quite good as well. Maybe a little bit underutilized, uh, a legendary actor like him, but um, yeah, quite good. And... Uh, it's on obviously we'll get maybe more into uh what happens to his character yep. later on in the show but i thought in, even le- leading up to that it was uh the way he just pokes Jake Gyllenhaal and, and prods and uh, and provokes him uh it's a lot of p words <laughs> the way that he he manages to provoke Jake Gyllenhaal enough uh is just uh, I, I liked the, the scenes between them.
1: Yeah, it was great. Bill Paxton always kill, always kills it. I'm, I'm a big fan of his work as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also, we had Riz Ahmed as Rick.
0: Yeah, and I, I liked him. He he borders on sort of a comic relief character. He's not quite comic relief, I would say. Yeah, he, he's just a little bit of a simpleton. He's just uh, he's sort of the sidekick to to Lou, the guy who doesn't really know what's going on, mm-hmm. the guy who's for the money. Uh, I I liked his performance. I. I remember when he showed up in Rogue One I was like, "Oh my god, it's a uh, it's it's Rick. <laughs> Rick from Nightcrawler. That's crazy. Yeah, he's the he's the pilot in Rogue One also. But no, he was quite good in this movie.
1: yep, solid.
0: I would say that's just about all the cast that I uh need to cover. Yeah. Uh, is there anything else you wanted to get into before we uh touch on spoilers?
1: No, no, good to go. Let's uh let's spoil the shit of this fantastic film.
0: All right, you have been warned. Plot points are going to be revealed from this point on five four three two one get the fuck out all right nightcrawler so um do you want are we going to do our uh previous format we're reading through um, uh and taking it uh plot point by plot point yep okay so uh petty thief lewis uh aka lou bloom is caught stealing from a los angeles construction site by a security guard he attacks the guard steals his watch and leaves with the stolen material After selling the material at a scrapyard, Lou asks for a job, but the foreman says he does not hire thieves. While driving home, Lou sees a car crash and pulls over. Stringers, freelance photojournalists, arrive and record two police officers pulling a woman from the wreck. One of the Stringers, Joe Loader, tells Lou that they sell their footage to local news stations. Inspired, Lou steals a bicycle and pawns it for a camcorder and a police radio scanner. After two unsuccessful attempts at recording incidents... Uh, Lou records the aftermath of a fatal carjacking and sells the footage to KWLA six. The morning news director Nina Romina tells him that the station is especially interested in footage of violent incidents in affluent areas. Lou hires an assistant, Rick, a young man desperate for money, to give his footage more or, excuse me to give, his fo- to give his footage more impact. Lou begins tampering with crime scenes and, in one case, moves a body. As Lou's work gains traction, he buys better equipment and a faster car. That is quite the lengthy paragraph.
1: Holy shit! Wow, that was a that was a big one. <laughs>
0: we should have cut that into more manageable pieces but alright, we can, we can take that on as a whole so uh, right, right off the bat in this movie, uh, one thing I actually wanted to talk about um, maybe I'll talk about it a little bit at the end because it's revisited, I liked the introduction to this character I really like, when you first see uh, Lou Bloom, he's uh, cutting up a chain link fence and uh, trying, trying to sell it uh, to a construction manager um, and I, I liked the altercation between him and a security guard and I especially liked the way they revisited it later in the movie, um, because this movie is really about Jake Gyllenhaal, obviously, and whether his, uh, his being a psychopath is a product of his environment or if it's just uh, the way he is. So the, the question this movie is sort of asking is, you know, is this guy a product of TV news and did the, this whole system... Uh, force him to be the way he, that he is or is he just allowed to thrive because he's a psychopath naturally and i liked the way this opening scene tackles that because uh he ends up mugging a security guard and taking his watch and then at the end of the movie as he's walking down the street uh pans it pans down to the same watch as if to ask the same question like was he this fucked up all along or like what because we don't see what happens to the security guard right we don't know if he kills him we don't know if he just mugged him and left um the it's a very smartly directed and a, a nice Easter egg. I wanted to point out at least right off the bat.
1: Yeah. Um, I was impressed with the, the directing, um, and well, the cinematography was fine. There were some camera movements I really enjoyed. Um, mm-hmm. but the directing, uh, is actually really great for a, uh, for a first time director. Um, I, I, I enjoyed the, uh, uh, the introduction of this character and Jake Gyllenhaal really brings it across. in The first couple of scenes, you pretty much know everything you need to know about Lou, like within the first ten minutes of the movie. Uh,
0: exactly. And uh, the one thing I maybe I'm a little bit hypocritical to forgive this, but I'm I'm a big nitpicker for lazy exposition and people just telling you what it is. But for some reason, it didn't strike me as unnatural with Lou selling himself uh, and basically just describing features of himself because he's, he's essentially just a salesman in this movie. Mm-hmm. And he's a really good one at that, but there's a moment at the beginning of the scene where he's ta- he's trying to get a job, and he's saying, who am I? I'm a hard worker. I always show up on time. And like that could be misconstrued as lazy exposition, but I think the fact that he is such a good salesman... Uh, allows me sort of to forgive that
1: well that and also i feel that lou um he he really he uses facts and um information um to try to overwhelm the people he's talking to to try to i guess for lack of a better word uh win the discussion that he's having he backs it up with facts and his knowledge of the situation uh and he does it repeated times so so that that first interview scene and everything he's saying what he's good at and listening to that i didn't find it as exposition i found it as as part of his character because he does it numerous times throughout the movie
0: for sure for sure he does
1: uh moving on from there the uh when he when he first sees the car crash and he meets uh joe loader joe loader uh yep. bill paxton's character uh you could see uh, Again, it just comes down to the performance. Jake Gyllenhaal's eyes just kind of light up. He's like, this is a whole new world. He's like, I am interested in this. Almost <laughs> like a kid in a candy store. He's like, this is amazing.
0: He definitely nails the creepy eyes in this movie, doesn't he? There are numerous times where his eyes are bulging out of his head. He looks like he lost a lot of weight for this movie, honestly. Um,
1: they He did. and yeah. A couple things uh, about the movie. Apparently, he would uh, he would ride on purpose, he would ride a bike to and from the set every day.
0: Um, What would possess someone to do that is beyond me. I don't know. (laughs) Voluntary exercise.
1: That's gross. Um, (laughs) But he, he definitely, his eyes are always like almost bulging from his head
0: yeah for the most part and i mean he does a lot to emphasize it too like it's not like he just looks thinner but his eyes are fully open for yeah. the entire movie he doesn't squint even when he smiles yeah
1: it's it's, uh, it's uh, fucking creepy it's super creepy um but again it's just a, a a testament to to the great performance of of jake um his uh his first encounter with Nina is, is kind of cool again he when he comes into the the TV station he uh you can see this is all new and exciting to him and he just loves this new world that he's been uh thrust into
0: yeah i can't remember if it's in this scene or in another but there's a moment where he's just looking around and says on TV it looks so real and that's a really big moment of commentary in terms of what they're saying about cuz i mean when he gives Nina, in, in this original scene uh, that you're talking about, he, he gives her the piece of footage and she says as a throwaway sort of what the narrative that they're going to construct on the news is. She says, oh, you can tie this in with the carjacking in this neighborhood last week. You can call it a carjacking crime wave. And she just constructs a narrative out of thin air and it's like, it's nothing. And I think that's a lot of what this movie is trying to say is just, on on TV everything looks real and mm-hmm. you can't can't always believe what you're trying to what you see on TV. And there's little nuggets they throw in all the time that are really smart in that regard.
1: Yeah, yeah, it was it was great.
0: Um, there's a there's a scene after this. Uh, I, I think he goes to steal a bike to pawn it off to buy a camera.
1: No, this is before. Sorry. Before oh, he, he steals in... he pawns he steals the bike and pawns it to get the footage that he ends up taking.
0: Right. Okay. Because I wanted to I wanted to touch on that just because. I was talking about how right off the bat he's selling himself he's trying to promote himself and he's just a really good salesman and it's the it's the same thing in this scene when he's talking to the pawn shop owner he's just he's pulling facts about this bike out of his ass he doesn't know anything about this bike but he's saying uh this this bike has 37 gears and micro shifters i won the tour to mexico on this bike and he's just and the pawn shop owner just looks so unimpressed like he knows that he's bullshitting mm-hmm. and, but he's just so persistent and he manages to eventually get what he wants as he always does. Yeah. And I, I love that scene too.
1: Um, it's after he leaves, uh, that meeting with Nina. That's when he hires the assistant, Rick.
0: Right. Right. And (laughs) And that's a, that's a really good scene just to show how fucking fake he is right off the bat. Because up until this point, I think you can sort of get a vibe for who he is, but this is the first scene where we genuinely see him lie to people, I think. I mean, okay, he lies to the, to the pawn shop owner as well, but he's very uh, – well, he tells tons of lies to uh, Rick in this scene. He tells him he's the operator of a very successful business that uh, it's not unusual for him at all to hire people on as uh, interns and then hire them on as full-time employees later. And all of this, of course, is untrue. He's just trying to get Rick to work for him for free, and he ends, on, ends up hiring him uh, for the lucrative price of $30 a night. Uh, that's what Lou does, honestly. he, I think he senses Rick's desperation in this scene. He tells him that uh, he graduated high school, and that's about it. He took three buses to get there, and he just... He needs money because he's sleeping in a garage and Lou goes, Oh perfect. This guy uh he, he's desperate and I can control him and I can pay him as little as possible. Yep. Because he's a fucking psychopath. <laughs> I I did like the intro to uh Rick in that scene, like uh what's the uh, the actor's name is Riz Ahmed, is it? Yep. Yeah. He uh he did a really good job. He I like how this movie Uh, sort of everybody who has a moral compass in this movie is sort of portrayed as an idiot. (laughs) Riz Ahmed, uh, he... Always is the conscientious objector to all the terrible things that him and Lou get up to. He's always the one saying, "Hey, man, this isn't right. We shouldn't be here. We shouldn't be filming this." And of course, he's also the biggest idiot in the movie. So, like I said uh, in the non-spoilers, he is sort of a—he's uh, not quite a comic relief character, but he does have some pretty good lines.
1: Yeah, he's got some—he's got some good lines, and it's a—it's a fun—it's a, fun, a fun scene, the interview scene, uh, and like Rick fails. His first attempt at getting the job, and Lou just tells him, basically tells him, sell sell yourself. Like yeah. he's trying to pass along his own wisdom to Rick, and it's that noticing that Rick can be manipulated that Lou latches onto.
0: And it's sort of funny in that regard because yeah, he encourages him to sell himself through the entire movie. He's giving him advice.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, at one point, I think he tells him, uh, "It's it's entirely possible." I think more highly of you than you think of yourself yep. and ironically it's this uh bettering of uh himself that Lou's encouraging that eventually gets Rick killed because eventually at the end of this movie Rick discovers like I'm sick of this shit I'm not gonna put up with this anymore I do have all this capability and this wisdom inside me that's uh my potential is not being realized and then he crosses Lou and he gets fucking killed mm-hmm. <laughs> but of course that's that's a long way away at this point <laughs> We're already in the spoiler section. I can say what I want. Oh yeah, of course.
1: <laughs> yeah, we we warned everybody. Go fuck yourself.
0: Uh, where to go from there? Um, uh, there was a there was a line also earlier. I think I'm jumping back a little bit here. I had already talked about um, if it bleeds, it leads as sort of a, a good tagline for this movie. Another good one is Nina talking about the narrative that they're trying to construct: the urban crime creeping into the suburbs. The the monologue that she sort of gives to Lou and she's talking about what kind of stories that she wants but she doesn't want and she says uh suburban household or suburban neighborhood so white <laughs> uh affected by urban crime aka black yep and, like, this isn't me adding this commentary by the way this is literally her saying like white neighborhood black criminals and just attempting to scare people any way it's possible and it's just a this is a very movie <laughs> and I, I really like these types of pessimistic movies, but it, <laughs> a lot of times it gets very very bleak yeah uh, it's it's bleak not, at times not obvious but uh but out there <laughs> mm-hmm Yeah. Uh, all right, so we already talked about Rick um i I wanted to talk about the pace of this movie a little bit actually because it does a really good job of throwing obstacles lose way it. Like, there are moments. It's just really well paced in that Lou will have an obstacle to overcome. He'll overcome it, and then another obstacle will arrive as a direct result of that. So, like at the beginning of the movie, he's poor. He has very few skill sets, and nobody will hire him because of his reputation and because of his persona. And then when he does find something that he can do, self-employed, problem solved. Next problem: uh, how to. Become good at this and to overcome Joe Loader. I just thought it's a very well-paced movie in that regard. I agree, hundred percent.
1: on that? Yeah, yeah. It's it's a. I don't know what the runtime on this movie is. Um, uh, One hundred
0: and seventeen minutes.
1: How long? One
0: hundred and seventeen.
1: Well, oh, just under two hours. I didn't yeah. feel. I didn't feel that it was two hours long. Um, yeah, the pacing is really well done. I, I don't think there's any scenes that could really be cut. There was it, it gathered all it doled out the information you needed about every character as it went. It was, it was just a really well-crafted film that that moved along at a brisk pace not once was i ever looking at my watch or or you know playing on my phone it was i was gripped from start to finish
0: for sure and like it's just a, a very natural progression in that regard so like i can't remember what happens directly before but with him uh moving the dead body um i think he had had an encounter with joe loader before that uh or he he had had some sort of adversity. I can't remember exactly how the movie's structured, but they never have him push a boundary. So, he's doing progressively worse and worse things to succeed in this business as the movie goes on, and it's only when he's pushed that he starts moving dead bodies to get better framing or breaking into people's houses to get good footage. Like, it's only when he's pushed and he he has pressure applied to him. Like, okay, like, this is what I need to do to be successful, so I'm going to fucking do it, and that's just who he is. Yep. Um... I think that's all that we need back there. Uh, Shall we move on in yeah. the plot? Okay. Yep. So Lou coerces Nina into a date and threatens to terminate his business with her unless she has sex with him. Knowing her job depends on his footage, she reluctantly agrees. The next day, he turns down a business offer from Loader, who beats him to an important plane crash story later that night. Nina berates Lou to get better, better footage and keep his end of their bargain. In retaliation, Lou sabotages Joe's van and when it crashes, Joe is severely injured, and Lou records the aftermath. Um, this is a long paragraph as well, so maybe I'll just uh, truncate it there for the time being. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, the scene with uh, him and Nina at dinner uh, when he's uh, coercing her into sex. I kind of, I don't like uh, that it says in this uh, synopsis um, uh, she reluctantly agrees, because we don't see that. That's don't
1: correct. That's her- correct.
0: We don't see her say, like, okay, I'll fuck you or whatever, but we see her become increasingly desperate, and she's getting not less appalled at the idea, but she's looking more and more lost in the discussion as it goes along because Lou knows all this shit about her. He's like, oh, I can't help but notice you've never stayed at a station for longer than two years at a time, and you're coming up on two years now. That's probably how long your contract's for, and you need my video to get good... uh, (laughs) To do well during sweeps week, yeah. So he's done his research. He knows that she's fucking desperate, and she, I, I. What I like about it, the reason I say that I, I hate that this plot synopsis says that she agrees, is that they don't. The director doesn't need to show you that she agrees. The director just cuts after in the middle of their conversation, and yep. you already know that she's going to have sex with them, and you don't see them have sex, but you know that it happens. Yeah, I think it's referenced once later in the movie as well. Yes, it is. But at this point in the movie, you just. You already know that he's won the discussion,
1: yeah, and it's again it's just part of his cunning that uh and and preparedness to do this uh he had planned uh this well in advance um he's someone that meticulously plans and looks ahead uh he, he I bet you anything he's probably a brilliant chess player he's, for sure he's always a couple moves ahead and, and a few times that he's been caught off guard um it uh, it it upsets him beyond belief. Um, he's definitely not. He's a he's a fucking he's a sore loser. Um,
0: yeah, he fucking is.
1: Yeah, and he's incredibly manipulative. Um, th- this scene where he basically almost black pretty much blackmails her into having sex with him. Um, I would call him
0: blackmail. I mean, he doesn't explicitly say. You know. Have sex with me, or I'm not gonna sell my footage to you anymore. But I mean, but
1: he, he says everything, he, but
0: he basically says you need my footage, and and on top of that, we should have sex. Yeah, <laughs> those two facts aside.
1: Yeah, and it's 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 cunning and creepy as fuck to watch. It's it was a it's a fantastic scene. Um, yeah. and again, I, I'm gonna continue to say it. it. It's just it's it's all on the back of of Gyllenhaal's performance. Um, I fucking I I. I absolutely love this. This scene was fantastic.
0: And I also I liked. Um, if you remember when we were talking about there will be blood, we talked a lot about how Paul Dano's performance was good, but it wasn't really up to Daniel Day Lewis's performance. I, as good as Jake Gyllenhaal's is, I never feel like Nina was outmatched. Well, she she did feel outmatched in some scenes, but she was supposed to. I didn't feel like she was being outacted ever when they were having conversations no. together. No, well, no, no. Good chemistry.
1: Yeah. I don't think that even with Jalen uh, Hall's uh, powerful performance in this movie, was he outshining anybody else? Everyone, else, everyone else rose to his level.
0: Yeah, if anything, he uh, made the actors around him better as well.
1: I agree. Um, when he the the business offer from Loader. Um, was great because you can see the desperation in Paxton's character as he mm-hmm. realizes how much better Lou has gotten at this job and now Lou is now a threat to him and his livelihood.
0: There's an awesome line in that movie that I quote like a ridiculous amount of times. Is <laughs> just, uh, I love how suave Jake Gyllenhaal is in this movie, how cool he is and just plays it off. And like, no, I'm not interested in your offer. And Bill Paxton keeps pestering him and pestering him. And Jake Gyllenhaal turns to him and, I feel like grabbing you by your ears and screaming in your face. I'm not fucking interested. And it's like, "Oh, damn." Oh, like, I fucking love that line. And he just he doesn't yell at, he doesn't raise his voice at all. He just keeps that same calm demeanor. And he's like, "I'm not fucking interested." Mm-hmm. I I fucking love that. And it just shows the difference between his character and uh Bill Paxton's character uh and because Bill Paxton's reaction after that is to flick a cigarette at him and just say, fuck you. You, you, can, you can tell in every scene that Jake Gyllenhaal's in who is in control, and 90% of the time it's Jake Gyllenhaal. Yep. <laughs> um, so then, oh, so after he rejects his offer, there's the plane crash later that night, uh, and there's a... Uh, so Jake Gyllenhaal doesn't get what he wants for once in this movie. He loses to Joe Loder, um and nina berates him and he's embarrassed and yep. uh he goes home and there's a tiny little scene it's great but it's really the only time we see jake gyllenhaal loses cool in this movie like i said he, he he's very much in control for a lot of it even if he's sort of berating rick or berating nina he's always in control this is the one time where he loses control, is where he just looks into the mirror and screams and smashes it after he uh after he doesn't get the plane crash on tape i Fucking loved it.
1: Yeah, it was great, and that was improvised. They didn't know he was gonna do that. They what? They didn't know he was gonna do that.
0: Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. I think he had to get fourteen stitches.
0: Really? Yeah. I love that. That's awesome. I love little things like that. It's like the the Leonardo DiCaprio story that always goes around about Django, how he cut his hand on the wine glass.
1: You can see that scene.
0: Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's messed up. Uh, so anyway, he. Uh, this is the first. Obviously, we've seen him. Do a lot of criminal things at this point But this is the, the first time we've seen him Actively harm someone Not out of self-defense mm-hmm. he, I mean you could call it self-preservation As he's pres- preserving his livelihood But this is the first time we see him Go out of his way to potentially kill someone And he cuts the brakes on uh, Joe's vehicle And then films him as he's taken off Which is <laughs> Again, I love the logical progression Of this movie How the crimes that he commits are increasingly bad and you can even though obviously you don't condone the things that he's doing you completely understand the motivation for all the things that he's doing and the progression from petty thief to murderer is just completely logical in this movie I mean I use logical with heavy air quotes lest people think that I'm like you know what I should just go around murdering people <laughs> but you can you can definitely at least see where he's coming from right
1: I understand the choices he made. It doesn't mean I agree with him.
0: Oh, 100%. 100%. Um,
1: Yeah, after he loses his shit, he decides he's going to escalate this, and and that's, yeah, he goes and um, sabotages his van and then ends up uh, filming uh, Loader being carried away in a bloody mess in a neck brace uh, after his van crashes and takes out his competition in the most ruthless way possible. Um, and so you can I, see, and this is also, this is, uh, in my opinion, this is where the divide and the wedge between Rick and Lou really starts to form, because as Rick's there helping him film, he's like, man, he's like, man, we shouldn't be doing this, these guys are our guys, like, these guys do the same job as me, he's like, this is fucked up. Mm-hmm.
0: And Lou just responds to him, uh, I think he says something like, he's just a story now, yep. or he's, he's a product now, or something like that. Yeah, he's like just that. a story and now. Ice cold, and as he's filming, he's not looking through the uh through the viewfinder he's he obviously has uh joe in the shot and joe's looking up at him and he's just staring right back into his eyes like yeah i fucking did this to you you don't fuck with me Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's a it's a really well directed scene and a really well acted scene um next part of the paragraph yep uh later lou and rick arrive before the police at the site of a home invasion in an affluent neighborhood Lou records footage of the gunmen leaving in their SUV and of the victims in the house. The news staff fret over the ethics of the footage, but Nina is eager to break the story. In exchange, Lou demands public credit and more money. Police detective Frontieri questions Lou about his connection to the home invasion. He gives her edited footage of the home invasion, cutting out the parts with the gunmen. That night, he and Rick track down the gunmen. Lou plans to follow them to a more crowded public area and then call the police and record the ensuing confrontation. Alarmed, Rick demands half the money Lou stands to make, threatening to tell the police about Lou's crimes, and Lou agrees. So this is where the movie really starts to ramp up.
1: Yeah, big time.
0: Up until this point, the movie follows a very logical pattern. Lou faces an obstacle, has to do something terrible to get it. New obstacle, has to do something worse to get it. And it just is climbing this constant step ladder through this entire movie. And yeah, at this point you begin to realize, I mean, obviously he's killed some or tried to kill someone at this point, And you realize what a sick individual he really is at this point. Um, <laughs> they show up at the scene of this home invasion. Uh, he doesn't, not that he would have been able to, but he doesn't try and stop or do anything to the attackers. He doesn't wait for the police to show up. He goes in and instead of saving a guy who's still breathing, he continues to film the carnage and just walks around their home after, uh, after this vicious massacre. Um, that was pretty chilling.
1: Yeah, it was, uh, it was creepy as fuck, especially when he filmed the baby's crib.
0: Oh, I can imagine you were probably, um, edge of your seat at that point.
1: Yeah, a little bit, a little bit, (laughs) um... It was uh, it was well done. The uh, I didn't know obviously as a, as a journalist he's he's not going to be able to really do anything to stop these gunmen. So yeah. as they're leaving and and he, uh, he hides in the bushes and records them. Um, I didn't anticipate him to use that footage to try and get more footage. I I actually thought he was just going to use it to uh, get more money. Uh, or a better story. I didn't. I didn't realize he was gonna do, do what he ends up doing with that uh, with that footage. And then when he goes in the house uh, and he starts filming everything going around there, my my problem with it is I could see numerous times mm-hmm. he was touching things, and I'm like, yeah. they're gonna dust for prints. <laughs> like, yeah,
0: that's very true. Your
1: shits all up in that place.
0: But at the same time, he's not trying to hide that he was there. When, no. uh, when the police call the news station and they say, we want to talk to the guy who took that footage, he, he yells, it was me, it was Louis Bloom, talk to me if you want. Like, he, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it would only matter, I think, like, I agree with you that when I first saw this movie, I'm like, ooh, he shouldn't be touching that doorknob, like, <laughs> you're gonna find your prince. But it would, it would only matter if he wasn't openly posting, like, yeah, I broke up I broke into this home and look at this awesome footage that I got.
1: Well, I don't te- I don't, technically, they didn't break in; the door was open. Yeah, yeah. that's right? very true. And he did say, like, he went in there to help. That was his. I think that's what he said. He got or, this cover
0: story. He yeah. said, "I saw, I heard gunshots. I went in to help and uh, decided to record it.
1: Yeah,
0: or something to that effect."
1: Um, the scene where he takes the footage back to the TV station um, and. Nina and whoever her assistant is or whatever, they discuss the ethics of it. Frank,
0: I have written down here. Hmm. Frank, I have written down hmm. here.
1: Uh, they discuss the ethics of it. Was uh, very entertaining. Um, I love watching uh, them battle, and you can see Nina doesn't care about the ethics. She needs she needs the ratings. She needs the the popularity that this footage is going to bring. And when they've when they show it and you get to see the bes- behind the scenes, the director literally feeding lines to the newscaster.
0: Repeat. Like the newscaster says savage attack at one point, And she just says, repeat that in her ear. She says, Re- repeat the line. It was a savage attack in a, in a, what you thought was a safe neighborhood. And it's just, it's all constructed. It's all it, pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. It's mm-hmm. all, it's all just an illusion, but, it's I, I loved how they showed that scene that ties into what I was saying earlier. This movie really is a lot about the news and the media, and about how you can't believe everything you want because there's always there's always an angle, there's always a narrative, and you you <laughs> there's no such thing. This is a very it's sort of funny that this movie came out in 2014 because obviously living in 2018, we live in the age of fake news. We live in the age of attacks on the media uh on a regular basis from some world leaders no names mentioned (laughs) um but this movie almost i don't want to say lays the groundwork for that but it, it does a little bit it's very distrustful of the media and just is uh very very conscious of the fact that everything is everything is illusory when it comes to the media
1: yeah, yeah, it's uh, it, it's a, it, again just another another great scene and you can see Lou in the background just eating it all up. Um he gets his wish. Um they mention him on air, uh him and his company. Um and then um his uh Yeah, that that's where the uh the police come and talk to him at his home. And he gives them the edited version, which again, didn't show the the gunman, um, which at this point I was like, wow. I was really confused. Actually, it was when he went to the TV station, he didn't give them the footage of the gunman because right. I thought that would have been like a sensational way to reveal who the killers were. Um, and when he didn't give it to them, I was like, I'm like, what's he doing? Like, what's, what could possibly be his motivation? Um and then when he meets up with Rick and he tells you what his plans are to do is to expose these guys in public, and then record the confrontation with the cops. I was like, "Oh Jesus, this is gonna go over fucking well." Um, <laughs> and then as Rick realizes that this is more dangerous and starts to negotiate for a better wage, um, I I again it, it's it's these scenes where. Lose negotiating or arguing or having a discussion with other people, um, that are some of my favorite moments. And again, he just uses logic and facts, uh, to back up his side of the argument, which when you have those on your side are hard to argue against. Um, yep. and, and this
0: is one of the things I'm talking about with him being such a great anti hero is that he, we've already seen him attempt to murder people, we've seen him, uh, neglect to save people. He's, interfered with crime scenes he's stolen stuff he's beaten people up he's uh taken advantage of nina and rick and everyone else close to him yet just the fact that he's so smart and he's a great negotiator and he's determined it, it at this point in the movie you're still rooting for him mm-hmm. even at this point you're still there's a little part of you that's like i really want to see where he goes with this <laughs> and it's a little bit sick honestly it's it's a little bit sick.
1: <laughs> yeah, I agree. It was it was uh it was uh, just a, a, another just fantastic scene between uh Riz and uh, and Jake gyllenhaal Um when they uh I, I guess we're well we're kind of caught up, so we can move on to the next part.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um when the gunmen stop at a restaurant, Lou phones the police. They arrive and exchange gunfire. One suspect is killed, while the other manages to escape in his SUV. The police give chase, with Lou and Rick tailing and recording. After the gunman's SUV crashes, Lou urges Rick to film the gunman, claiming he's dead. The wounded gunman shoots Rick through the glass and tries to escape at a shot by police. As Rick lays dying, Lou films him and tells him that he cannot work with someone who has leverage over him. Nina is awed by the chase footage and expresses her devotion to Lou. The news team discovers that the home invasion was actually a drug deal gone wrong. Nina refuses to report this information to maximize the story's impact Police try to confiscate the footage for evidence, but Nisa de- or, excuse me, Nina defends her right to withhold it Interrogated by Frontieri, Lou fabricates a story about the men in the SUV following him. Frontieri suspects he is lying, but cannot prove it. Lou has a team of interns and buys new vans to expand his business. The end <laughs> So uh, back, at, uh, back at the beginning of the chase sequence um We had already talked a little bit how Rick was starting to gain a little bit of leverage over Lou. Uh, He, um, or at least he was gaining a little bit more confidence in himself. Um, And yeah, you can sort of pinpoint the moment almost where Lou decides this guy has to go. I think it's right before the altercation with the police when uh, Lou, Lou gives his little monologue like, because I think Rick says something to the effect of, like, uh, you really need to learn how to understand people. And Lou says, what if the problem is, isn't that I don't understand people, that I don't like them? Mm-hmm. And he threatens, he threatens to beat the shit out of him, basically. <laughs> and I, I thought that was a really good scene. And I think at that point, Lou's thinking to himself, if I can get this guy caught in the crossfire tonight, I have to do it.
1: <laughs> if yeah, I'm in,
0: totally. i my partner in harm's way tonight, I have to do it.
1: Yeah, the uh, yeah, um, just so chilling. Um, the the it was fun. I I really liked how they. Well, <clears throat> one of the little trivia things about about the movie um, Jake Gyllenhaal's in every scene. This whole movie is about about Jake and from his perspective. Mm-hmm. So one of the great things. <clears throat> And that this movie does is it continues to show from his perspective because the confrontation inside the restaurant is only told from outside the restaurant yeah. a lot of other movies um would take you inside the restaurant and you'd feel that tension build up but being on the outside from you're watching it from uh rick and from lou's perspective um it's still a tense scene and you're wondering like did the cop say anything like what what who said what now how did how did it start from there um and I, I like that it it was great it it was a great choice um and then the uh one another little piece of trivia is that all the scenes with uh with Jake driving and all the driving scenes, Jake did his own driving in this movie
0: oh nice yeah that's good um I was going to say it was a very well-directed car chase and generally speaking when you have actors who do their own driving that's a a big reason how you can get really continuous uh shots and really long takes and you have a very good uh, understanding of the environment, which is really important in car chases. Nothing pisses me off more than when a car chase is super choppily edited. Oh, Michael Bay. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly like that. So this is a really, really well uh, executed car chase. Um, But even before that, as you were saying with the altercation in the diner, I liked how they built the tension. I completely agree with you You to do it without dialogue, just just the conversation between uh, Jake Gyllenhaal and Riz Ahmed is the only dialogue in the scene. But as far as the altercation in the diner itself, we're totally removed from it, but they still managed to ratchet up the tension. There's a moment where the cops walk in and the two perps totally tense up. Um, there's a moment where one reaches for a gun. And it's, it's really, in the short period of time that it takes place, I, I liked the tension and the way that it was ratcheted up in that scene. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's great. Um, the car chase scene was was done really well as well. Um, it wasn't over the top Hollywood car chase scene. It was it was much more realistic. Uh, I think
0: we saw one cop car flip, or we saw a couple of couple of cars flip. Anyway,
1: uh, one, f- yeah, the, the 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 cop car flipped and and so did the SUV, and that's it.
0: Yeah, that's right. That's right. So yeah, pretty realistic car chases, honestly.
1: Yep. Um, and then when Jake gets out of the car to film the gunman and he, see, he I don't think they show him until Rick comes. A couple,
0: couple of frames or, or something yeah. like that. Briefly. Um,
1: but you can tell already right here, you're like, don't do it, Rick. Don't, yeah. don't do it. <laughs> don't do it. And you can tell even more from where Jake sets himself up for the next shot. Yeah. Um, behind a, a little bit of cover, uh, of, of one of the overturned vehicles and then Rick comes in to to shoot the 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 supposedly dead gunman and then gets three in the chest. Yeah. Uh, and
0: yeah, I was uh I was pretty surprised by this. And this is this is a really good death scene actually. This is a really well-acted death scene by Riz Ahmed and a really well-written one. Like just him his last words are just gripping Jake Gyllenhaal's collar of a shirt and telling him you're fucking crazy, man. You're fucking crazy. <laughs> <laughs> i loved it it was so good and i i was totally shocked the first time i watched this movie by this death and it is a great culmination for the for the climax of the movie
1: yeah uh it's awesome uh again it's just a it's just a, a an absolutely great film that that was that was done almost to perfection um he takes the footage over to uh, the the station. Nina's obviously in awe of what she sees, as would everybody, because this, the footage he gets is unreal. Like, I could only imagine watching the news and seeing this kind of footage. Like, how you would react. Oh, it'd be, it'd be chilling.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, And then...
0: We're in the in the police interrogation, I guess. Oh,
1: and again, this is where his cunning mind gets him out of trouble. And even though the cop knows that he's lying, you gotta prove it.
0: He keeps the facade, and he, again, he loses his cool very few times in this movie. And the police interrogation at the end, he's calm, he knows they have nothing, he knows he's outsmarted them, and he knows he's gonna get away with it, and he just walks out of the station a free man. And it's... Pretty, pretty chilling. Um, And this is where I was talking about at the beginning where it pans back down. One of the final shots of the movie, uh, it's the last, I don't know, 60 seconds or so uh, of the movie. They show his watch again, the one that he stole from the security guard of the movie. And I took that as the director sort of asking the question with all the ramping up of him getting more intense and more intense in the illegal things that he's doing. Was he already a shitty person at the beginning of the movie or was he already a shitty enough person at the beginning of the movie? Or did this world that he found himself in just allow him to thrive and sort of mold him into the psychopath that he became? Nah, I...
1: he was already a psychopath. <laughs> this just allowed him to profit from his
0: psychopathy?
1: Man. Yeah.
0: His psychosis? Is something, is uh, psychopathy? Whatever. If that's the right word I'm going to sound like a genius. <laughs> um it's, it's, Let us know what the correct word are looking for is. Yeah. Um Yeah,
1: it's 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 just a great it's it's a great movie again led by Jake Gyllenhaal's performance. I I I'm again especially looking at Dan Gilroy's previous credits. I don't know where he pulled it out of his ass to put on such a great film.
0: Yeah, this is it's definitely an outlier looking at his filmography right now, but I'll I'll definitely give him a chance. I know Roman J Israel Esquire got great reviews. Um, I didn't get a chance to see it unfortunately, um, and uh, I'll definitely be seeing his next one, which I don't have the name Velvet of. Buzzsaw. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> yeah, I don't have it in front of me right now, but uh, yeah, I. This is one of my favorite movies of the last I don't know five or so years, maybe longer. Um, I think it's brilliant start to finish. I think it's a smart movie with a lot to say and a lot to think about, helmed with a brilliant performance by Jake Gyllenhaal. Um, and uh, your your thoughts as well?
1: Yeah, like I said, I've been waiting... I don't know what made me wait so long to watch this movie. I, the reviews on it are fantastic, which we didn't get to. I think it had a 79 Metascore. Um, it, it, it did get nominated for Best Original Screenplay. It had... Everything that I was looking for in a movie, I just don't know why I never got around to to watching it. Which is funny because I've owned it on Blu-ray since it came out on Blu-ray. I just never plugged it in to watch. Um, I'm so glad that you chose this movie. Uh, I loved it from start to finish. Um, yeah, again, it's it's mostly carried on the back of of Jake Gyllenhaal's performance, um, and I I love the way that he plays Lou Bloom. If you played him as like a like a almost like a, a, a maniac or something like that. Somebody over the top say like Nicholas cage playing this, this role. Um, this movie would be fucking bullshit. Um,
0: <laughs> to, to be fair, I would love to see the Nicholas cage version of this movie. <laughs> oh, <it'd> be entertaining <laughs> would as hell, but it wouldn't, it
1: would make a, a way worse film. Um, it's, uh, it's the chilling again, the cold and calculating and cunningness of, of Lou Bloom that, that, uh, I, that really drew me in. Um, I can't say enough about Jake Gyllenhaal's performance in this movie, uh, but but Jake, someone whose filmography I pretty much love. Um, he obviously has some movies I don't like, but uh, when he's working with
0: you, you and I are both big fans of the movie Prisoners. Oh, fuck yes. <clears throat> um,
1: I'm
0: looking on uh, the critical response right now. It, it's kind of funny because uh 95 on rotten tomatoes which i know you're a huge fan of but <laughs> 76 on metacritic that's much lower than i would have expected actually
1: i can see why like the the movie the movie's the movie's good but like mm-hmm. th- this would never in my this never in my opinion would be something that would be up for best picture it's just it's just missing it's just missing something yeah yeah but this was
0: Je ne sais quoi.
1: Almost any other year Jill Hall's getting a best actor nomination for this but as we mentioned before this year was just fucking stacked and they um, already
0: nominated one guy under forty yeah right can't have two <laughs> they met their quota
1: can't have two um, it's uh it, yeah it's it's definitely worth checking out for those that don 't know it actually is on Netflix right now so I I implore you to please check this movie out Um, you won't be disappointed if you're looking for something really good to watch
0: yeah um, there's Manny and I have been choosing Netflix movies for ourselves I think both of the ones that we've talked about over the last couple of weeks are both available on Netflix and maybe that's something we should continue to do if uh, it allows our listeners all three of them to uh, (laughs) to find the movies more easily but yeah uh, both uh, Leon the Professional and Nightcrawler are available on Netflix I would Highly recommend this one over the other, but that is just one man's opinion. <laughs> Man so is giving me fake uh, shocked expression right now.
1: <laughs> so continuing with our uh, our uh, a- as per usual, what would you give uh, Nightcrawler out of
0: five? You know what? Um, I have to give it a five. Wow. So- it, I fucking adore this movie. I really, really do. Five. It's one of my favorites over the last several years, and a I five. there's not one thing I would change about it. Honestly, there's not. I can't think of anything I would change about it. A five. Yeah. Mother first five. five. <laughs> God damn
1: five. You disagree? I take it. Yeah, I can't give it a five. Ah, <laughs> <sighs> uh,
0: Nightcrawler. Nightcrawler.
1: Nightcrawler gets a four.
0: You think it's four.
1: Oh yeah, it's it's a fantastic movie. Again, the
0: reaction. I thought you were going to give it a three. Right? No, no, I,
1: I just fucking around. Uh, this, it's not it's not a five in my opinion.
0: No. Okay. Uh, but, that's just, that's but that's
1: just my opinion. Who the fuck gives a shit what I think? Yeah. Apparently, five other people.
0: <laughs> Is that where we're at for listeners? The week the
1: I don't know. Time? I should I should double check. I think we're I think we hold steady to about six. Woo! I know, I right? Think. <laughs> a lot more <laughs> um so yeah i give it a 4 it, it's a great movie and, and then like i said it, if you haven't seen it it's on netflix check it out you won't be disappointed um i think that's uh i think that's all i have to say about it I,
0: that's all i have to say uh do you want to do the uh the self promo stuff
1: <laughs> oh like uh yeah Please remember
0: to like and subscribe. Yeah,
1: please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes. If you give us some more uh, ratings, uh, more people can uh, that'll help us find our podcast so we can uh, bump up from six to maybe even eight listeners. It'd be nice to hit double digits.
0: (laughs) A couple more. (laughs) A little ambitious, though. Eight eight sounds like a lot.
1: I know, right? (laughs) (laughs) Um,. Yeah, please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes. Uh, Also, you can uh, like us and follow us on Facebook. Um, If you uh, have any questions or comments, please, you can contact us at sammannymoviepodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, I love the feedback and uh, and critiques I get uh, from those of you that do reach out. Um, I think that's about it for uh, a little promotion for us. Uh, We're actually not sure what we're going to be doing next week yet. We surprise have,
0: episode. Yeah, it's gonna be surprise episode. We're not.
1: Uh, we're still kind of trying to decide what we're uh, what we're gonna be doing. Um, so uh, I guess until uh, until next week uh, for the Samuel Manuel Movie Podcast. I'm Manny Manuel, and I'm Sam Reimer. Adios.